You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, Good Monday to you. Uh, It has been uh, a weekend where we've had, uh, well, we had Duke and Kentucky in the Elite Eight from 1992. They replayed that on the main network, CBS. Over the weekend, I saw a lot of UK fans were watching that. I I did not relive that memory. I decided uh, not to. I've watched a few tidbits of historical games here and there that have been on, but not a ton. Uh, I would like to see that Wichita State-Kentucky game again. I don't know that I have it on DVR, but that was a game I would like to watch again. That's something you wrote about, Kyle, for uh, today out there on The Athletic. Yeah, yeah. The the Wichita State game was uh, – they asked us each to uh, – all of the college basketball writers to write about the best NCAA tournament game they ever saw. And not it's not the best I ever saw, period, but it's the best I ever covered. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been here since 2011. And, I mean, it's I, it, I would say it's – up there as one of the greatest second round games in the history of the tournament. Yeah. It's not the greatest. And it's one of the best played I've ever seen. I mean, it just, um, as I wrote, there was, there was so much drama about it. And that was like part of the deal. It wasn't just that the game was great and the game was great, but it was, the game was great. Plus all the stories and yeah. all the hype that was around it. Like it lived up to the billing. Um, yeah. Wichita state was undefeated. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was Kentucky started the season number one, and the forty and O t shirts were printed, and then they stunk, and you know, lost ten games, and they were an eight seed, and then with, so then their first their second round opponent is the team that actually is undefeated and number one, um, you know, and then like when you look at the bracket, you know, the the thing the thing I sort of started out my story today with was about how like, you know, it was this David versus Goliath story, but you couldn't who was David and who was Goliath. And, <laughs> right, you know, uh, everybody agreed. Both coaches agreed it was a conspiracy, but they each, you know, Cal Perry thought it was a conspiracy against his team. Greg Marshall thought it was a conspiracy against their team. Nobody thought it was fair that those teams had to play in the second round because it was that bracket, that Midwest region, had yeah. Kentucky, your preseason number one. It had number one overall, or not overall, number one seed Wichita State undefeated. It had and Wichita State had gone to the Final Four the year before, it had three of the previous year's Final Four teams in one region. <laughs> uh, Wichita State, Louisville, and Michigan, all of which Kentucky – so think of that, too. Kentucky beat three Final Four teams in a row just to get to the Final Four. Yeah. Um, and also, Duke was in that region. Didn't make it uh, – got upset. But Duke was in that region with all those teams, as was – UMass coached by one of Cal Perry's former players. I mean, it was like the all-time, yeah. like, let's stuff all the storylines into this thing. <laughs> let's let's make sure every single round, there's there's no possible way that we don't have some crazy storyline. Um, it, it and was, then there was Greg Marshall's wife who became a storyline. Well, that the was game. that. No, that was 2017. That was oh, the, was that the next time they played. Okay. Yeah, Gre- the ne- then they play again. They, then it was like the opposite. 
Kentucky was a two seed in 2017, and they meet in the second round. And Wichita State is is horribly underseeded. Wichita State was like a 30 win team that year and got a 10 seed. Yeah. And so they had to play Kentucky in the second round. And it went down to the wire again. Bam Adebayo blocked the shot at the end that would have tied it. Uh, but Greg Marshall's wife was like hanging over the rail, right over <laughs> Pat Forty's shoulder. Right. Just, I mean, deranged, drunk. You know, it was that was wild. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, that 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 2014 game kind of set the stage for the 2017. But um, and then you know all that all those storylines were there. All those great players. I mean, Fred Fred Van Vliet. Who ends yeah. up winning a uh, being an integral part of a world championship NBA team um, gets off the game winning attempt. It looked looked like it for all yeah. the world looked like it was going down to me when he got it off. But from start to finish, it was played great. You know, they each had a couple big runs, but they never nobody ever really got far away from the other. Uh, and it was just back and forth, blow for blow. They both shot like fifty five percent for the game. Yeah, um, it's like a heavyweight you know, fight. Yeah, people were dunking. I mean, Willie dunked on somebody, then Willie got dunked on by I think Clee Anthony Early, and Early looked like the best player on the floor that night. I was sure he was going to be like a great, you know, he was going to make it in the NBA, and he barely lasted. But he yeah. did get drafted almost in the first round, based on scoring thirty-one points on Kentucky that day. Um, it was it was wild. I loved it. I mean, I loved every second of that game, and it was fun to revisit it. It's been, I think, if anything. I was thinking about this the other day because we're, you know, all the TV station, TV networks, or you know, CBS and ESPN are re-airing old games. That's right. a big part of what we're doing at the Athletic is taking a look back historically. Uh, we we did this project, my you know, best tournament game I ever covered. But also, we're doing each single, every single day of the tournament. We're doing of of this month. We're doing what's the best game ever played on this date, um, and and looking back at that and this time of no sports is has at least I think maybe allowed us to like re-familiarize ourselves with some of the great moments in history and maybe for young right. young fans like getting to know some of this stuff for the first time it's kind of cool in that way I mean I would much prefer there be new games but it is kind of cool to have this like this is almost like college basketball history month yeah uh, and it's kind of neat well and then the SEC network they had the Kentucky takeover over the weekend as well and I covered the Belk Bowl, but I never watched it. Like, I mean, I watched it right. live, but I never watched it on TV. You yeah, know, I never of... watch the games I cover on TV, so it's very weird to see them from right. that perspective. Like, the 2012 Final Four is a blur to me. Like, that Louisville game, that Kansas game. I don't know when you're covering it. You know how, I mean, you're over there jotting notes down. You're tweeting. You're... And for me, I'm trying to, you know, log each shot, uh, you know, up with like a time code so that I can go in and I can grab it and just lay that highlight down quickly. Um, and and then I I must have turned stories for – I had a story for every newscast because the TV station I was working for at the time just sent me and a photographer. So I was responsible for the NCAA tournament content for every newscast, 6 a.m., noon, Five o'clock, six o'clock, eleven o'clock, all that stuff. So, I, really, it was just a blur. And so, to be able to watch those games or watch that Belk Bowl, that eight-minute drive at the end of that game, um, so that's kind of cool. It's allowed me to do that because otherwise, I wouldn't be going back and watching old games. I would be, you know, just moving forward like everybody else would. All right, there was another story you wrote for the Athletic uh, that came out 
Sunday uh, about the 1975 Kentucky-Indiana regional final, which we will talk about when we return here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. At Buffalo Trace Distillery, the world's most award-winning distillery, see 200 years of bourbon-making history in action. Smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels, aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continually operating distillery. Experience a tour for every taste. Buffalo Trace Distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week, year-round, like the popular Trace Tour. Or see Bourbon Pompeii and walk through history on the E.H. Taylor Tour. Visit the world's bourbon destination, Buffalo Trace Distillery. To learn more about the distillery's history and spirits, visit buffalotracedistillery.com. Mention that you heard about Buffalo Trace Distillery on the Locked On Kentucky podcast and get 10% off merchandise at the gift shop. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and we teased before the break that, uh, and to tease ahead to the next segment, uh, a few honors, postseason awards, and honors for uh, Kentucky men's and women's players that we'll discuss. But I want to get back to what Kyle had written about. You mentioned uh, doing the best tournament game on that particular day in history, and yours was? It was... March 22nd, 1975, and we teased this last week. Kentucky gets revenge for a blowout in the regular season in Bloomington and ends Indiana's perfect season. Yeah. Uh, and in the Elite Eight, with a chance to go to the Final Four, it was Joby Hall's first Final Four in his third season after replacing Adolph Rupp. It was Kentucky's first Final Four uh, in nine years. Um, which is a long time around here. Yeah. And uh, it, uh, it, it <laughs> what made the story, what made the drama of the game was the backstory of what happened in, in Bloomington, the blowout. Um, Bob Knight, in the, late in that blowout, like the final minute, was still arguing with officials. So Joe B., who said they were like really good friends. He said they were like Joe B. and Denny now, uh, you know, hunting and fishing buddies and all that. Um, so he kind of has given the business to Bobby, like, come on, you've already blown us out. Like, give it up. And he followed Bob Knight down the sideline to, to say that to him. When he turned around to walk away, Bob Knight's screaming at him and slaps him in the back of the head. Mm. Which, at that point, like, injury to insult, um, that that pretty much uh, set Joe B. on uh, off. Yeah. And he... It was not the story I expected to get when I called Joby. And he said that essentially uh, after the game, one of the athletic officials at Indiana came over and said, Joe, I know you and Bobby are good friends. Let's just squash this. Why don't you guys walk off the court together? And Joby said, yeah, I'll do that. We'll walk right over there under those stands where I will kick his bleeping ass. And I was like, uh, I mean, I was stunned. Yeah. Uh, and he said, and uh, and Bobby walks up. He comes over, and he's got his middle finger in the air, and he says, bleep you. And he said, that was it. Like, we were never friends again. Um, and the best quote, I mean, we talk, we, we, we teased about this. We talked about this uh, last week, and, and I, I don't think we were overselling it. No, based on the not reaction, at all. Based on the reaction to the story, 
uh, I would say we weren't. It has blown up on our site. Um, Joe B said, from that moment on, he said, I'm through with him. Can I say it? Do you think I, can I say it on a podcast since we're not on well, radio? Well, let me just warn those who are listening right now. If you have kids in the car or if, um, you know, certain words or whatever, you know, offend If profanity you, really offends you, you should just yeah, skip ahead, this, skip this ahead 30 offensive. seconds. Yes, this is offensive. So just be prepared. We apologize in advance, but you know to skip ahead um, if you don't want to hear this. Actually, I'm going to, this is lo-fi technology. I should have just sent you this and you could have put it in. I'm going to try to let you hear it. I'm going to put it up to the microphone and let Joe say it himself. Okay. If you miss that, that oh was Joe B saying, I'm through with him. I wouldn't piss up his ass. If his bowels were on fire, yes. Uh, so I to didn't hear even that, know that was, I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know that was an expression. Oh my gosh! So, so that's how yeah, Joe to, B felt about. Uh, I mean, I, I I was muting my phone. I was laughing so hard, and of course, I immediately was like, "Dan, <laughs> I texted you. <laughs> I said you can, you're not gonna believe this." Well, this um, is forty five years later. Yeah, you know, five years ago uh, yesterday, Sunday. So to have held that in, I think well, he's ninety-one years old, right? He's ninety-one. He's so, not, you know, he's not lost his faculties. He's very sharp, but he is yeah. also he has lost his give a bleep uh, o meter. Right and at ninety-one just, years old, I think you have earned the right, and you probably feel like I'm. I'm not worried about anything anymore. I'm not worried about it. So. He does have this image that has changed from the time he coached to now where he is beloved by all of the fan base, whereas when he coached, you know, he had a lot of detractors and um, it was different. But now he's beloved by the fan base. And then there's been generations, you know, of Kentucky fans that have come along since who never saw him coach and don't remember him as a coach at all. They just know him as the former coach who won the 1978 national championship, who followed Adolph Rupp and they see him at the games and he comes out and he does the why. And he's had a radio show with Denny Crum for a while. And um, he pops up and does interviews here and there. And he, he comes off as a sweet uh, old guy, you know, a sweet old coach, but he is, he was tenacious then. And he still has that tenacity within him now. It's still a competitor. Um, he, was, he wasn't an easy guy to play for from all accounts that I've heard. Uh, he was tough, disciplinarian. I mean, he was under Adolph Rupp. So those things carried over. And it's just come to a point now in his life where 45 years after the incident, he can be honest about it. And uh, you were fortunate enough to be the guy that he was honest about it with. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I was blown away. And uh uh, so hopefully people will check that out. It's the whole sort of story of what led up to that and the, and the revenge. And you know, one of the other details I'll share is just that that has been out there to, to some extent. People have heard about it before, but um, Joe B. His pregame speech. One, he kind of remade the team uh, for that game, that rematch against against Indiana. He realized what wasn't going to work and what hadn't worked and what might work. And you know, they went away from their zone, played man to man. They their guards that they never let shoot. They they shot 33 uh, times that night. Um, 
just a bunch of things that were tactically the the fa- the funny one is you know he said that Indiana always set illegal screens and they basically went and talked to the officials and said look we're going to knock them on their ass every time they set one of these moving screens yeah. and you, you either call them or you're not going to have anybody left to play this game uh and so like right out of the gate in that game they just flattened under Joby's orders they just flattened uh whoever was setting a screen for Indiana and it changed kind of the the um trajectory of that game um but pregame, he got up on the blackboard and he wrote four words: uh, nets, bus, police, and coliseum, and let the guys kind of look at it. He didn't give any kind of X's and O's talk, and he said, "Look, when you cut the nets, do it with a with a pair of scissors. I don't want anybody on that ladder with a knife. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna not ride with parents. We're gonna all get on the bus because we're gonna get a police escort when we cross the state line, and they're gonna lead us all the way." To Memorial Coliseum, where the fire marshal's not going to look the other way, and they're going to have a the blind wildest, fire marshal. A blind yeah. fire marshal. They're going to have the wildest celebration they've ever had for Kentucky basketball. Uh, and then, of course, everybody run, runs out there ready to kill, as he said. Um, it's a great kind of scene, very cinematic type of scene. And, and it's weird to think a place that's won eight national titles that a elite eight game would be such a big deal, but it was a huge deal because I think the fan base realized in that moment, one, it was a, a hated rival. It was a team that had, you know, embarrassed them earlier. It was a coach that they loved to hate uh, in Bobby Knight ruining their perfect season, but also because until that happened, Kentucky was just about eight offer up. It wasn't a program that was just, uh, no matter who's here, we're going to win. Yeah. Um, and Joe B had to, Prove that that could be done, and he got him to a Final Four. And two years later, three years later, he won a national title. Um, and that, I think, that Indiana game, and then winning a national championship with Joe B is. I don't know if it gets enough credit in moving the program forward to say, look, it can be done. We don't. It doesn't have to be Adolf Rupp. It wasn't. He, you know, he wasn't the, you know, the the one and only wizard in Lexington. Um, and I think that's a big deal when you when you want to have a program that lasts. I mean, look at UCLA. Um, you know, they they have found it much more difficult since John Wooden went away. Right. Um, you know, there have been places. Will Duke be able to sustain what it has without Mike Shashevsky? We'll have to see. But it was a big deal um, for that to happen. And they, he was right. They won that game, and there was apparently people lining the interstates, welcoming, waving to him, welcoming him back, and. It, 13 some thousand in the Coliseum when they got back. Um, so a huge, it was a huge moment in program history. It's what I think f- for fans of that age, it's like still their most treasured win, uh, even over some national championship games, um, yeah. because of what it stood for. Well, excellent job on that story. Uh, more to come here on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast. We'll talk about some postseason honors for some Wildcats when we return. Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked on Kentucky podcast, and it was announced on Monday that uh, Ashton Hagens is one of four finalists for the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award. Marcus Garrett of Kansas, Duke's Trey Jones, Baylor's Mark Vital, or Vital, Vital, I don't don't know how you say his name. I actually don't Um, know. Anyway. Those are the three other guys with Ashton Hagens. Hagens has, I think, 58 steals this season, um, which I believe is second in the SEC. Uh, I'm not sure where it stands nationally, but uh, the the winner's going to be announced April 1st, so here in just about a week. Um, 
but pretty remarkable for Ashton Hagens to be one of the four finalists. I wasn't sure that he was going to be among the finalists, and I thought, uh, like, Yudoka Azabuki maybe would be on there for his, you know. Yeah, he was a terrific interior defender. Yeah, uh, big sure. But I guess they didn't want to put two Kansas guys on the list. And right, Garrett is. Pro- I mean, he. I think he might win it. Uh, him, him, or I would think him or Trey Jones will win it. Uh, my guess is it'll be Garrett. You know, great defender on number one team. Yeah, if I had to guess, but uh, we shall see. Uh, it, it it would be wild if Ashton Hagens finished the season kind of in Kentucky's doghouse and then wins National Defensive Player of the Year. Right. And then the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches came out with their all-district teams and uh, the District 20, which I guess is the Southeastern Conference pretty much. Uh, Calipari is the Coach of the Year. Uh, Nick Richards on the first team, Emmanuel Quickly on the second team. On the first team, it was, uh, along with Nick Richards, it was Skylar Mays of LSU, Miss State's Reggie Perry, Old Mrs. Brian Tyree, and Arkansas's Mason Jones. And then on the second team, quickly, along with Georgia's Anthony Edwards, Auburn's Samir Dowdy, Alabama's Kyra Lewis Jr., and Auburn's Isaac Okoro. I mean, what do you think of those first and second teams? I always think think those all-district teams are so weird. Um, Like, I don't mean to be disparaging, because I don't even know who's involved in those, but, like, what's the point uh, of them? It's like, somewhere in between all conference and all American, like all region team. I don't know. I don't really know the point why they name all district teams. It seems like a really antiquated thing for this district. It's pretty much the Southeastern conference is what it seems like. Yeah. It's like a whole nother vote on the, on the sec. Uh, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I don't, I don't guess I have any real problems there. Yeah. Um, quickly second team, right? Yeah, quickly on the that, second that's, team. That's kind of weird, I would say. But, I mean, I don't have much quibble with any of these uh, postseason things. Yeah. Well, and then Ryan Howard, you know, of course, UK women's basketball player. She was named first team All-America uh, by the uh, U.S. basketball, uh, the USBA, USBWA. So what is that? The U.S. Writers. The, it's the Basketball Writers. Basketball Association. Writers Association. Yeah. Um, formed in 1956. There you go. Yeah. Which you expect her to be on the first team. She's going to be – I think curious, she's going to be a national player of the year before she's done. That's what I was going to say. Like, is she – what's the short list? I mean, she was on the finalists, I guess, this year. Yeah, she's on the, the four. She's one of four finalists for player of the year, and I still think uh, Ionesco from Oregon yeah, she's going to win that. like, run away with that. But she's yeah. going to be gone, right? She'll be in the WNBA, I assume. I would think uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, does Kentucky have the front runner for National Player of the Year next year? I don't, I don't really know. I do Possibly. know they have the best name coming in, Treasure Hunt. I'm going to bring that up every single time. Yeah. Well, Ionesco won AP Player of the Year today, and Don Staley of South Carolina won AP Coach of the Year today. Yeah, so. I can't argue with that. Don Staley, man, yeah. she's been a monster. Um, yeah. There well, she, she is a monster. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. That's right. You, I forgot. <laughs> I don't. Let's not do that again. No, Dan, no, no, no. Dan's not the biggest fan. Um, she's, she's. I mean, but the, the thing she is, does a great like, job. Yeah, she does a great job. I mean, all the no great women's that. coaches have like at times been pretty much vilified. Like it's really easy to not like Gino Ariema. 
Uh, I think I'm sure that people hated Pat Summit when she was steamrolling everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the coach at Baylor makes me insane. Uh, <laughs> Kim Mulkey. Yeah, she does some things that I just r- really uh, roll my eyes at. But, they, you know, like it's like – and it, I think there's a lot of that in the men's game too. Like if you're yeah. not a Duke fan, uh, no, I mean, a... you hate Mike Krzyzewski and like – right. I mean, everybody hates John Calipari. Yeah. Uh, and, and until, you know, for a while, uh, Bill Self had sort of the, the good guy thing going, but he's got a lot of enemies now. Um, I just think, I think in basketball, um, all sports, but especially in basketball, because th- it's like such a small roster that I think you can really, like you're really on your players like every day individually. I mean, you can spend a lot of time individually just like, crushing people i think yeah. like the best coaches are the ones that are like kind of the biggest a-holes um it feels yeah like a lot of times it's not the old, there's not the only that's not the only way to win certainly um, no but, but i mean you go to football nick saban bill belichick you right. know they seem that way people um, who wield their power with fear mm-hmm. so there was a couple you know since you know we're without sports you know brackets are big brackets for you know best college basketball player of all time espn did a two-hour special on that which was a joke i think they took christian leitner over kareem abdul jabbar um and now like saturday down south has put out its sec basketball bracketology greatest of all time edition and it's also kind of a joke like greatest players of all time from kentucky dan issel is on there jamal mashburn's on there uh, Anthony Davis, John Wall. Um, uh, arguably for me, I mean, uh, you know, Goose Gibbons would be on there and, and John Wall would not if you had to take somebody off of there. But like Grant Williams, I don't know, is Grant Williams one of the greatest of all time? Pretty, uh, yeah, he's pretty awesome. Uh, he's good. Uh, Scotty Wilbekin. Oh, yeah. Was he on Jarvis Varnado. Oh, is, this is this is the Saturday Down South one. Yeah, Saturday Down South, and it's all SEC players. I and saw it's that one of that, all time. Uh, yeah, and Jarvis Vernardo is the all-time shot blocker, right? Um, I get if it. You're like, I guess if you're trying to put somebody from every team on there, but yeah. like, I mean, the, the problem with that is you could really just populate it with like Kentucky guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's could, a lot of Kentucky guys. Yeah, you could make a you could make a whole bracket. Uh, like Sam that, Bowie doesn't get credit for, you know, what he did at Kentucky. People forget. I mean, he, his claim to fame is that he was p- picked over Michael Jordan by the Trailblazers. But there was a reason right. they picked him is because he had um, such a, you know, strong career at Kentucky. Yeah, he was a big man with, with injury issues. And that's we know now is like you just run far away from those guys. But he was right. a monster. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at this bracket now, John Wall is a four seed. Yeah. I mean – I don't know. The, 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 I don't know about that. You know, some of these uh, guys I've never even heard of, and maybe it's just because they're in a different era. But Jabari yes. Brown from Missouri, I just not remember him. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. would assume he was a guy that was like he played before they were in the SEC. I don't. And look, don't hey, know. Tyler Davis from Texas A and M was good. Is he one of the best of all time? Yeah, goat. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's really trying hard to get somebody on there. I There's guess. 32 players, you know, your top 32. Like, and... like, have you ever heard who of John Stroud? No. At Ole Miss, he's he's old, he's on there for Ole Miss. Dan Issel is a four seed. 
mean, Dan Issel yeah. might be the greatest player in Kentucky history. <laughs> uh, Dan Issel uh, is right there close to Pete Maravich. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, he, I mean, the numbers he put up were in college were just outrageous. Yeah, a three. He was, I believe, a three-time All-American. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got. He'll nobody will ever break his like records for like double doubles and and rebounds. Um, but the yeah. way this thing played out, I mean, I it, if it's not Pete Maravich, it's probably Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, or, Kentucky did get a one seed with Anthony Davis. Yeah, Dominique Anthony Wilkins Davis. as the other one. I don't have any issue with the one seeds like Pete Maravich, Dominique Wilkins, Shaq, and Anthony Davis. I, yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, but Issel's a two or a three seed in a, in a bracket like that. I mean, John Wall. I don't know. I, I I'm just looking at some of these, thinking like and like Joakim Noah is on there for Florida, and he's a six seed. Yeah, I mean he's he's got to be the best player. Florida's ever had, right? Joakim Noah. I guess um, Al Horford. Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, they were on the same team. I can remember there was a little controversy when Dick Vitale was caught, like, off, you know, he was caught on mic. He thought he was off camera or off off mic. And he said that uh, Al Horford would be a better pro than Joakim Noah. And oh, Horford's on there, too. They're both six seeds. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Jamal Mashburn is a six seed. I'm sorry, that's outrageous. <laughs> uh, but the, but again, the problem is just like you, you could just go like Pete Maravich, Shaquille O'Neal, and then a bunch of Kentucky dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're picking the top easily. 32 uh, Saturday down south, their forte is probably football. Yeah, anyway. and this kind of reveals that a little bit. Mahmoud yeah. Abdul Rauf, I'm, I'm I have no argument with him as a two seed. Oh no, he, he was a bad bad dude at LSU. Yes, he was. He was. Um, he was insane. I do like seeing Corliss Williamson. Man, I loved those Arkansas teams so much when I was a kid. Um, yeah, I was Lee like, Mayberry, Todd Day, Corliss Williamson. Yeah, they were just. I mean, Corliss Williamson was just a monster. Yes, he was. He was a beast. Um, yeah, I, it's at least fun to like to go through this. But I mean, I'm like looking at all these players, like ba- Bailey Howell. No idea. Who I that mean. Is. I don't know. Mississippi State. Grant Williams. Grant Williams is a three seed. Here's here's where the bracket falls apart. Grant Williams is a three seed and and facing Al Horford as a six seed in the first right. round. Yeah. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I would um I would think probably in the future we'll do some of these brackets. Maybe uh maybe we do Kentucky. You know. Do rough the arena with- food food items. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The popcorn problem, minus minus mouse poop is a one seed. Popcorn <laughs> rubberina popcorn with mouse poop is a like a two seed. <laughs> I, I still eat it. I love it. The only problem is if you do like uh, Kentucky basketball, we would already know. Uh, like what 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 are we wasting our time with a big bracket for? We would already know. It'd be like, is it Dan Issel or Anthony Davis? Uh, you know, it's kind of yeah. Kind of comes down to that, or you could do we could do point guard edition, but then you know it's probably John Wall. Uh, so I don't know. We we could do some of that stuff. We'll see what the future holds for us here. But we will uh, plug on and uh, and continue to bring you a podcast every day. Uh, and then there's other podcasts out there on the Locked On uh, Kentucky or the Locked On Network. Like uh, there's a Locked On SEC 
So tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Locked On SEC. And we will talk to you tomorrow. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter if you got anything you want us to get into. Uh, tweet at us. I am at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>